Welcome, welcome to another stop on the Michaud Mission, Two Men, One Podcast, every black film ever made. I'm your host, Vincent Williams of It's All Soul, G-Town Radio, 8 to 10 p.m., and I'm joined, as always, by my partner. Yo, what's up? Holla at your boy. This is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Tribble. And tonight, we, we are going to the root. We are going to the root. We, mm-hmm. we are going to 1919 and Oscar Michaud, who the show is named after, and his film, Within Our Gates. Yes. Within Our Gates by Oscar Michelle. Which is actually, I believe, if I got this correct, it is the oldest known surviving film made by an African-American director. That is that is what my research also said. So, unless we are reading from the same wrong thing, <laughs> I would say that is true. You know, you say once is a thing, twice is a coincidence, three is a pattern. There you go. So, but before we get into that, and this is going to be, this is going to be a very exciting episode. I'm just, I mean, every episode is very exciting, but this, this is going to be a really, really interesting episode. Uh, We, we have some business. We have some business, Mr. Webb. Yes, we do. We've got a couple uh, of emails um, and Twitter responses, uh, you know that, um, first of all, we got one response that I want to quickly shout out, uh, someone that wrote that they love that podcast. Let me find it real quick because I want to give this person their just due. Oh, man. Did I go back too far? Oh, hold on. Hold on. Wait a second. All this can be edited out. (laughs) All oh, this can be edited. Out. This is just fodder for the for the editing. Oh boy! So just wait a second. I had it queued up, and then I think I'm. Should I, I stop? I'm, the timer no, 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 no. It'll be edited out. But, all right, here it is. All right. Uh, uh, seven waters at seven waters on Twitter. Okay. Said, Love the podcast, gentlemen. And Thank this you. was in response, though. Okay. In response to. The premiere of the Binge Lounge. Oh, very nice. Uh, which is our new monthly uh, supplementary podcast. Yes, yes. Thank you for listening to that. Yeah, where we talk about television. And uh, on that show, we talked about the very recent black television renaissance of Atlanta, Queen Sugar, Insecure, Luke Cage, and uh, even dealt into Greenleaf. Greenleaf. Um, got into some conversation uh, about some some thoughts you have about the old 1990s TV show In the Heat of the Night. In the Heat of the Night. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, That's good stuff. So um, you can go, ladies and gentlemen, and if you haven't listened to The Binge Lounge, then what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? You can for? find that exclusively at MichelleMission.com. Or if you follow us or or a, a subscriber to the Michelle Mission on SoundCloud or iTunes, then it will come up in your feed. All of you following us on the Black Tribbles Podcast Network, you won't see the Binge Lounge. You got to go to MichelleMission.com. We got to give you your reason to come and subscribe over there and go check out the Binge Lounge. All right. So thank you, Seven Waters. I appreciate you um, your response to our little show. We got another response as well from Steve Tozen, the $6 million triple. Yes, yes. Hey, Steve. 
he said that um, he he was sorry that he missed out on the listener request uh, month. And if there's another time where you're taking requests, I have a few suggestions. But he's saying, and y'all are doing a man called Hawk in January on the binge lounge, oh. right? Oh, okay. Because you guys should do a man <laughs> called Hawk on the binge lounge in January. Is, is he doing like Jedi stuff? He, I think he is. Oh, okay. All right. I think I, he is pulling a Jedi mind. You know what would be a good idea if we did a man called Hawk in nope. January, I think January on the binge lounge? I think January would be a good time to do a That's man a called Hawk. That's a great idea. See what happens when great minds come together. Yes. A plan is hatched. So, um, hey, Steve, guess what? <laughs> We're going to be doing a man called Hawk. On the binge lounge in January. In January. <laughs> Why not? Um, so that'll be a lot. Of, that'll be a lot. Yeah, of absolutely. And thank you for listening to the binge lounge. We got an email from, and I don't think this is an email. Yeah, this is uh, another email from Maurice Poplar. Hey, what's up, Maurice? He said, "So um, my listener request, okay, is what's a black movie?" We talk in Color Purple, Monster Ball, Crash. Mm. Are those Eddie Murphy 80 movies and Whoopi Goldberg movies black movies? The general theme of which was, what if I had a black cop, millionaire, nun, adventurer, cat burglar? How about the Richard Pryor, Gene Hackman joints? I was about to say Richard Pryor kind of dipped his toe in that. This one's for you, Len. How about Superman 3? Superman 3. With Richard Pryor. Yes. But that's not what you asked. Movie requests, his movie requests, okay. are, take your pick, Car Wash, Gridlock, directed by Daredevil's uh, Curtis Von Day Hall. I've never seen Gridlock. Or, for presidential inauguration episode, Brewster's Millions about a millionaire running for president as a bet. That's that's actually what I was thinking of when he talked about those 80s movies that are 80s movies. Mm. Like the Richard Pryor movies that well, that's a whole thing. Like like I I feel like the people who put Richard Pryor in those 80s movies saw Eddie Murphy and then got everything completely wrong about what made those movies work. The people who put Richard Pryor in '80s movies, right? Those 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 post Gene Hat, like Brewster's Millions, The Toy. Mm-hmm. Um, it was something else, but like those. Uh, what's the movie where where he where they moved? It may have been called Moving. That was moving, moving, where you put Richard Pryor in a movie, mm-hmm. but you strip everything that makes Richard Pryor Richard Pryor away from him. Yes, and you kind of stick him in a movie. So, but you saying you think the people that saw him, that put him in those movies, looked at the Eddie Murphy movies and said, "Oh, it's a black comedian guy," and they said, "Well, let's just put another black comedian guy in there." And you know, Richard Pryor is sort of proto Eddie Murphy. But don't all of those Richard Pryor movies, even moving and all of those such, don't they all predate Eddie Murphy? I don't think they do. I got a funny feeling. I don't they do. think they do. In fact, moving. Is them trying to make Richard Pryor make a Bill Cosby movie? Yeah, but that's also, but like, that's post Cosby show. But that may also be Richard Pryor's like last movie. So that may have been like about the, that's like eighty what? 
probably like maybe mid to late 80s, which means that it would have been right around. I mean, Beverly Hills Cop is 84. Wow, is, is Beverly Hills Cop 84? Beverly Hills Cop is 84, which means that 48 hours and trading places are before that. Yeah, and moving is uh, 88. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Wow. Wow, I would have thought that was a lot earlier than that. I'm pretty adept in not that good <laughs> 80s black movies. When it comes to just I 80s movies, <laughs> just all right. You're the man. Of, like, just all right. <laughs> that, that, that's your wheelhouse. Off the top of my head, can talk more about Billy Blanks' filmography than you think that I could. Actually, if you've known me longer than 10 minutes, it wouldn't surprise you how much I can talk about Billy Blanks' filmography. It doesn't surprise me at so. all. I think, the, I think the only person that would be surprised by it would be Billy Blanks. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But, but, but Maurice, I, 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 those are very interesting topics to me. I ain't going to speak for Lynn. But, but for me, those would be interesting topics. I actually have the flailing around oh boy. of white film executives in the 80s mm-hmm. is hilarious to me. The flailing around, the flailing around like we like I looked at this Eddie Murphy stuff and we need to figure out a way how to make some of that Eddie Murphy money without Eddie Murphy. OK. And then they just got it completely wrong all the time. <laughs> it's hilarious to me. Okay. Whoopi Goldberg's film career is fascinating to me in a car wreck kind of way. Like, I could watch Jumpin' Jack Flash every day for how much of an amazing misfire it is to the point where it comes around on the other end and becomes entertaining. No. Not Jumping Jack Flash. Jumping Jack Flash. Not Jumping Jack Flash. There's, there's not a point on there where that has entertained me. Now, the movie that See, here we go. Could have easily been a misfire. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. But I think, you know, still kind of works. Okay. Even today, even though it's a little dated, um, is the movie where Whoopi Goldberg dons the Marlon Brando mask. Okay. And pretends to be a millionaire. Okay. Oh, um, what's the name of that joint? Yeah, I know. I was just trying to to bring it up, and I couldn't, I, I couldn't, uh think of it real quick um that's an episode right there quite honestly like whoopi goldberg's <laughs> 80s film career oh i thought just us looking no 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 because what you have with whoopi goldberg like like you kind of talked about it with action jack like you have that 80s d you know that sort of 80s kind of a racial casting and in movie where like we're going to pretend that this person isn't black but then you get the added layer of of this sort of very deliberate desexualizing of Whoopi Goldberg mm-hmm. so it's like not only are you not black you're not actually a woman yeah like you're just sort of yeah. here yeah and Whoopi Goldberg actually used to talk about that she how, did talk about how that. you know they wouldn't let her kiss a white man yep because, you know, you can't have more than one black person in these movies. Because then it turns to a black movie. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. Uh, the Associate. The Associates. Yeah. That's another one. That's another one where almost it's, it, the subtext is damn near text. Where her physicality disappears. Yep. Like, she's actually not even a black woman. I mean, Jumpin' Jack Flash is the same way. 
the whole movie she's talking to dude on the um on the phone or on the you, you know because remember he's either he's in trouble mm. the the spy dude and then she meets him at the very end anyway yeah there you go maurice you, you touched the nerve you touched the nerve bro um but we also got it this was this was kind of interesting and, and um i wonder if it, you're not on twitter no i'm not so you may not feel this same way but um the power principle um on twitter at, at actually at new mutant right mm-hmm. they had actually tweeted us okay uh, in regards to our interview with simone missick okay who some people you know because you know podcasts stack up hadn't, just hadn't gotten to it yeah gotten around you're like it. lucy in that episode in the chocolate factory Right, <laughs> there's more still coming. Right, right, right. So, um, so at New Mutant had recently listened to the to that um interview, and had given a shout out to Simone. Okay, All right. Very about nice. you know like oh such a great interview like fantastic, um, and Simone liked his tweet. Oh, well, that's nice. So he then tweeted, um, yo, I be a liar. If I said I wasn't giddy to have Misty Knight's attention when I tweeted her. Thanks, Bat Tribble. Well, there you go. You know what? I kind of co-signed on him. Hey, man. On that. Because I put out there a tweet of a picture of my grandson. Mm-hmm. Uh, my daughter, who's out in New Mexico, had, had put out, posted a picture on Facebook of my grandson on his first day to daycare. He's all Aww. dressed up in like this little bunny jumper. Oh, and um, I posted a picture of like that to Twitter, and like I tagged I tagged a few people, and like I geeked out a little bit because you know Simone liked my tweet. Oh, like, that's nice. She saw my grandson. She liked your tweet. You know what I mean? And then like you know um, a couple of other people like, like my tweet and. You know, that was kind of cool. Yeah, this is kind of cool. Just people just recognize my little grandson. It is cool. You probably shouldn't post nothing crazy then about like the fake moon landing. No. See? No, I won't be doing that. See? Won't be doing that at all. No. So so I feel you. I feel you on that. Also, um, uh, Terry Jingles said that he uh, appreciated uh, the interview with Simone as well. Oh, thank you, Terry. Uh, shouting out that she was a fantastic lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No doubt. And no doubt, no diggity. All right. Uh, let's see. Did we have any other business that we needed to take care of? Any other emails or posts? I believe that is it. Uh, but we do have an announcement. Okay. That um, during the Christmas holidays, um, Vince and I are going to take a little bit of a break. A little bit. Just, you know, just a, a week off. That's mm-hmm. all. You know, to recharge the batteries, stay home with our kids. Um, well, I'm staying home with my lady. My kid's in New Mexico. But yes, but yes. Vince has a house of yes, children. Yes. Uh, <laughs> All two of them. Both of them. Hey. <laughs> hey, they're both. It is funny, though. Like, when you go from one kid to two kids, it is like, damn, I got a lot of kids. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Two equals a lot. Two equals a lot. Exactly. Two equals a lot. It actually does. Especially when they're both walking. Yes. Well, well, no, he's crawling. He's, he, he's crawling, but he's doing the pull up. Yeah, yeah he's doing the, like he's right. He's at the okay. We got move stuff. Yeah, so. for real, man. Uh huh. So, um, so we're gonna take a week off in between um, 
Christmas and New Year's. However, we are going to give each and every one of you a brand new episode. Yes. Um, and it's going to be a very special episode at that as we will be sitting down with my man Hollywood from Queen Sugar, Omar Dorsey. Omar Dorsey. We're going to sit down with him and review what I think may be Spike Lee's last truly good original film, Bamboozled. Bamboozled. Bamboozled, part of what I call Spike's second wind. See, you always say that that's his second wind. It's his second wind. You really think that that's his second wind? I think this is part of the second wind. But I include some films that you don't. Like I include Inside Man and Twenty Fifth Hour, but we'll talk about. That. You can't include Inside See, Man and Twenty Fifth Hour. You said we we're going to talk about it then. No, I meant now. Oh, you can't include Inside Man and, and Twenty Fifth Hour. He directed them. Yeah, he direct, and that's it. He's just a shooter on that. He's just a hired gun. I he mean, did. you keep saying it, but it's lots of great directors that don't write scripts of films that we grant are great films, and they didn't write the script. Like lots, okay, lots of directors. No, they there are there are, but usually when they usually those directors, um, and on those films that we're talking about, they still have some type of engagement or or more emotional involvement in the product. That's they subjective, be, like like emotional, like that's subjective emotional. I mean, you know, he got a co-writing uh, credit on Twenty Fifth Hour. Eh. I'm just saying we can talk about it, but I think that, I think that was just a you know gimme. Look, and 25th hour and 25th hour is not a bad movie. But I think 25th hour, hour is a great movie. I think 25th hour is the first post great 9/11 film. You and these posts, you always putting these movies as posts. This is the this is I the mean, first post Eddie Murphy movie. Yeah. This is the post black exploitation. I movie. think context matters. So you so you think that what was this post after 9/11? I think I think. After 9-11, the 25th hour was the first great New York film. Or great 9-11 film. Like, like it really captured we are in a brand new place. Mm. All right. Well, we won't have an opportunity to discuss that on okay. the show. Okay. Right. 25th hour. Oh, oh, we are going. I'm absolutely picking 25th hour. It's not a black film. It is absolutely a black film. Black director. Black, film. black director. Black director does not make a black film. It absolutely makes a black film. No, it doesn't. It's my Seraph on the Swanee argument. It's my Seraph on the Swanee argument. Zora Neale Hurston wrote a book about white people. It's a Zora Neale Hurston novel. It's a black novel. You want to talk about um, let's talk, Within Our Gates? Let's talk about Within Our Gates. <laughs> a black movie. It absolutely. Starring black people. All right. By a black so, director. Within Our Gates. Written by a black man. Produced by that black man, Oscar Michaud, one man by himself, on his own, making a movie within our gates. Trailer, trailer, trailer. How are we going to have a trailer, trailer to a trailer. silent movie? I don't know. Maybe had to do. Why don't you sing us a trailer? Sing us a trailer. It's within our gates. It's some stuff happening with some middle class black people. In a unnamed northern city, but then it's in the deep, dark, horrible south, and then some other stuff happens. 
And if you are someone who is dark brown, you are shuffling. It's problematic, but overall it's some good stuff within our gates. Within our gates from 1919. Now see, I thought it was because it's your movie. Go ahead. That's right. Within our gates, 1919. Oldest um, surviving African-American film by the great Oscar Michelle. Um, the film talks about, it starts the um, protagonist, Sylvia Landry, who is a young African-American woman visiting her cousin Alma in the north through a series of events and misunderstandings with um, her fiance. She has to leave. She goes down south and works at a school for Negroes. Yes. A school to educate Negroes, which does not have a lot of funding. No, it does not. And, and that's because the the uh, the state or wherever they are. The, the like state say, doesn't provide now. any money. They only provide $1.49 yes. for black students. And the Negro families aren't able to pay for their education. So then right. Sylvia goes to find money, goes to Boston meets uh, an african-american physician dr vivian dr vivian she also meets a philanthropist and um tries to gain money and you know the movie goes on the plot isn't that heavy and then the last 10 15 minutes we get sylvia's background yes we get our backstory and there's a lot in within our gates so you know lynn this is your film yeah. Why did you choose Within Our Gates? Well, I thought that it was um, time as we close out the year, we near the ending of the year, to, one, honor our show's namesake, mm-hmm. uh, Oscar Michelle, as well as um, go back in time. We've been staying, uh, spending a lot of time in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and I, I always want to be mindful that the mission is to review all black films, every yeah, black yeah. feature film. And this film was released as a feature film back in 19... It was made in 1919, but it was released actually in 1920. Right, right. And to your credit, this is this is not the first or second time you... Like, Lynn, Lynn, Lynn does the deep cuts. Well... So, you know, kudos I, to you. Thank you. I, I, I try. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I was curious... Uh, also, to because because it is Oscar Michaud and because mm-hmm. he is the granddaddy of black films, to to uh, bear witness to what he did. You know, this was only his second film. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. And in many respects, or at least some historians believe that this film was his direct uh, answer and mm-hmm. thus commentary to D.W. Griffith's birth of a nation which had come out i think like a year or two yeah, before yeah yeah um which if you haven't seen birth of a nation well birth of a nation it depicts oh my god it is it depicts the ku klux klan as more or less the lone ranger and tonto here right to right save the calvary to save the the all of all of white creation right from the wild untamed um and post um, emancipation yeah post negro em, post emancipated uh wild negroes yeah that are just running a mist in the woods of america yeah yeah as it were um 
And that, I mean, problematic does not begin to tell the story of yeah. that. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. That movie. Um, and this film, you can certainly read as a direct <coughs> commentary to that because everything is almost reversed. Whereas you had the wild, untamed Negroes in D.W. Griffith's Birth of a Nation, you have the... the uh, these southern white su- supremacists well almost white supremacists I-, I guess they're supposed to be but they really just seem like a whole bunch of like uh white hicks down here uh, down there in the south that are all about keeping the um black man down um but not even just that because you still even have in the north you have uh, you have whites especially depicted by miss stratton right but remember she's a visiting southern Oh, that's right. Because she so is she's visiting, southern so as she's well. Visiting, she's yeah. visiting the north from the south, and she's uh, you know like you know we're going to give the black people the right to vote. No, 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 no. Right, right. No, 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 no. no. Um, it, it like you say in this film, the the story is this the story is 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 like third thing that you even look for yeah because absolutely it's, it's a story that meanders all over the place yeah you know it starts with this kind of like loose romantic you know comedy drama yeah it's it's a it's a domestic yeah domestic situation domestic with situation. misunderstandings and and then you it know. quickly it quickly it, it turns into this um political uh Trist on on life as a black person in the north as well as in the south, right? Um, with making sure to give you commentary on and different perspectives on black men at this time in America as well as black women, right? And the treatment of both, right? Absolutely. At this time. Um, it and and in doing so, that's where the urgency, the immediacy, and the importance of this film is felt. Mm-hmm. Because, like you say, it is the oldest living film from uh, that we have by an African American director, thus written by and produced by an African American. It so it therefore becomes the our window into what that life is like at that time. And that life is in some ways not different from, from where it is now because it is about people trying to find a way to survive in a miss, um, a world that is set up against them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yes, they have. They been have they been um, freed? Yes, they have. It's, it's very, you know, you uh, can't help but keep in your mind that this, with this being made in 1919, this is probably not 50 years removed from slavery. No, no, it, L- yeah, less than that. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Maybe, maybe not even 30, 20 or thirty. I years. mean, if you start at eighteen sixty-five, yeah, it's what's that? Fifty-four years exactly in nineteen nineteen. So yeah, so it, so there are people that are walking around in this film that were picking cotton. 
right were were living in in shacks right or or certainly new people or certainly new right like this is not like you said it's not far removed at all this is you know so exactly these are these are the first generations yeah of of they they're 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 their parents their forebears were directly slaves well, they weren't ancestors, right? They were people that were still coming over for Christmas. Well, during this period, you know, we're, we've moved into the WPA project period. Yes, and one of the WPA projects that that Zora Neale Hurston and Langston Hughes worked on was interviewing old slaves, yeah. like like people who had been emancipated. So, yeah. like you said, this is it's not removed at all. And again, this is if we read, you know, certain. Texas textbooks that said 1865 people just came and said all right you're free right your services are no longer needed you can go right, right so right. you know when you talk about de facto slavery and you move directly into sharecropping 1919 absolutely this is a real issue yeah and 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 in there you're watching like I said you're you're watching this Culture Kings is a podcast on the How Stuff Works Network, hosted by comedians Jaquiz Neal and Edgar Montplacier. Every Wednesday and Friday, these two friends dive into topics ranging from sports, music, to movies, style. They wonder whether or not Donald Glover is a genius or a weirdo. They continuously decipher Kanye West's tweets and behavior. They also have recurring segments like Queen of the Week, The List, and Top Fives like Marvel Movies and Video Games. Listen to Culture Kings and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and find out the best way to eat a taco. Oh. What's the best way to eat a taco, Vince? With your hands? With your hands. Also, with salsa on top of everything to hold the ingredients down. It's like a layer. It's the layer. Right. So that the lettuce doesn't fall off. Can't have falling lettuce. This woman... Who wants to go down south to? Yes, she's going down south to help this school that she read about. Yes, but she's also going down south from the north as a way of trying to find herself. Because yeah. when she was in the north, she was all you know, waiting for her fiance to come home, and then yeah. through some crazy machinations that I, I don't think I could watch this movie twelve times and and understand that she. <laughs> She is caught holding somebody. Well, I think he was a doctor. Yeah. Because remember, she had basically swooned. Right, right. And and that's all it was. But, you know, her fiance has made this see the, the doctor as maybe somebody that she might be interested in. And, right, and right, lo, lo right. And behold, he, he's gone. And you don't see him for the rest of the movie. No. He's gone. So, so she is leaving that situation to go down south. To find herself, to find some purpose. Right. Because, which makes sense because at this time, like you say, people are newly emancipated. So now they're trying to find, okay, what is my life? Right. What do I do? What purpose am I going to serve? And hers um, is to make a difference. Right. Try to make a difference down here at this school that is teaching, um, trying to educate, you know, the youth. Um, by hook or crook, right? And she wants to try and play her play her part. 
it's the the politics of this movie are very interesting, especially considering that it's Oscar Micheaux, because just like you pointed out, you know, all of the people, you know, from Sylvia, who is the star of the movie, to the Dr. Vivian character, who's... uh, who she uh, meets and ultimately falls in love with yeah. to the, the pastor that is r- or running the school. That she I was goes about to, to say the pastor that's running the school. Run, yeah, okay. That yeah. Pastor running the school and his secretary. Um, they're all fairer skinned. Yes. Yet. Then you have another pastor who preaches the, the, the gospel of us just, you know, biding our time, mm-hmm. accepting our circumstance. That's right. As, That's right. As God's will. That's right. And what we have to um, go through in order to earn our reward in heaven. Right. While the white man, with all his wealth and good life, is destined for hell. Hell. In, but inferno. But after the afterlife. The, right. Right. Right here. Right here. Yeah, they don't worry about that. Yeah, don't worry about that. Yeah, yeah, they they got it good now. Right, but you just wait. Right, right. You just wait. You you it it, it hurt not having no shoes. Right, but just wait. Yeah, cause come the morning. Yeah, when we be on the rising, it it is it is very pointed. Yeah, it's the, very the commentary pointed. on religion, like like it is it is you, you know because like you think. For those of you who haven't seen it, Lynn, you're not being sort of dramatic. I am not like, at all. like it is very much because it's a silent film. Yes. So you have to see, you, you know, the the characters, and they are very sort of jumping around, and mm-hmm. and their lips are down, and and you know, you're talking about the pastor, but but you know, you think about the family that comes to the school to be oh, educated. Yes, that's right. I'm and he says, that. um. Let me let me see. He 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 says, you know, the, the the weevils ate the cotton and they took my mule, and I want to bring the children here to get them some education. Yep. And he is very much this kind of stereotypical depiction of a downtrodden old country black man. Mm-hmm. And you're and it it is striking. He is very much darker. Very. Than the educated blacks and, and the more articulate blacks in this film. And like you said, you see this repeated throughout the film where, you know, you're talking about this pastor, you know, Passa, who is very much like this. Old Ned is old, his name. Well, no. no well, old right, right, that's old, old Ned. Ned. And then there's Ephraim at the end. Yes. Who is sort of, you know, an, uh, sort of a, a flunky. Uncle Tom, you, you know, not even an Uncle Tom because he's just like you know. At least Uncle Tom prayed, oh, yeah, right, like right. he's just a low down flunky, yeah. and and it is, and and you know, again, this is nothing. It kind of complicates it because so much of this is radical. Like this is a radical film in it a lot is. of ways. It is, especially for nineteen twenty. When you think about it, not only for its depiction of. Um, it, it it having the it having the bravery to depict you know our race in such you know um, black and white terms is is it's not as radical because it is a black man that made this right movie, right you know what I mean um, and even with and, and even in there there are still some subtle. Uh, 
tropes that play out because the second you see the the character of Larry with his slick back hair and his little pencil thin mustache yes. that spells bad guy yes and it, even though he's fairer skinned right right you right definitely can you can see the oil just sl- like slaking off but he's still body. intelligent but that's the thing. You know, it's not about morality. It's about intelligence. Yes, because all of the darker skinned person, um, black people do not have. Right. Uh, they're, they're certainly, you know, not without with their faculties. But the radicalism of it comes in the depiction of the the treatment of these people mm-hmm. in the treatment, uh, in the depiction of lynching. Yes. And in the. Very graphic, especially for 1919, 1920, graphic of the violence towards women. Right. Because there are women that are not only are they pawed and mauled, there are women that are stripped down. Oh, there yeah. Are women that are whipped. There oh, are yeah. Women that are, are, are thrown up against walls. There are women that are that are shown with hands around their uh, around their neck. Um, and that is pretty pretty radical there's also for uh, a piece of radical and it's a very small thing early on in the movie when sylvia is waiting for you know word from her fiance Mm -hmm. uh, because her fiance is in brazil i guess i guess it's like an archaeologist yeah doing something black people do everything yeah i don't think it was archaeologist (laughs) but whatever he was i mean he had had a little like a pith cap he was in a tent Okay, you know, Oscar Michelle. He was he was in. She was waiting word from right. from from him, and word does come. Only her her evil cousin Alma uh, intercepts it. Yes, but the word comes to our house and it's delivered by a white guy. Yes, that's radical. Yeah, oh yeah. That time that a white man is delivering ma- delivering mail to a. But see, person. that goes into what to me is is the most radical this sort of critique of southern culture Mm -hmm. because that kind of is a mirror to what um the 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 southern philanthropist that that we were just talking about the um the landowner like you talked about the hillbillies who are sort of the muscle who actually do the lynchings yes but what i found amazing about this film was that oscar michelle very deliberately says that this is a system and that we can concentrate on the hillbillies you you know kind of actually doing it but this landed gentry these upper class you know kind of white people from the south very much are trying to keep black people in a certain position yes and you know whether you have the um the one because because what happens you, you know again Sylvia goes to Boston looking to raise money she meets a kind white woman mm-hmm. a kind rich white woman and and tells her what's going on the white woman is thinking about donating some money for this school she talks to her friend who is the visiting who is southern the visiting person, southern white woman and she says that you know you shouldn't you you know you shouldn't give the money like like all it's going to do like thinking makes black people's head hurt. And she actually says at one hand that that black people are only good as lumberjacks yep. and field hands, yep. which I thought lumberjacks was such a strange insult, <laughs> which, you know, sidebar, we're going to talk about um, black See, di- dynamite in a few weeks. 
there's a part in Black Dynamite where Black Dynamite is having a kung fu battle with Richard Nixon because Black Dynamite. And Pat Nixon calls him a moon cricket. Yep. And, you know, I went through eight months. I was obsessed with Black Dynamite. So I was like listening to all the podcasts and stuff. And um, Michael Jar White talked about that, you know, her calling him moon cricket, which is just sort of nonsensical. But it was a commentary on sort of racialized um, insults and how a lot of them don't even make sense. So it's like she said, black people are just good as lumberjacks and field hands. And then you get to the end where the the, the owner of the land tells Sylvia's uh, stepfather, basically, you got to keep the black people down and, and this is how you treat them, this, that, and the other. And again, in 1919, when, you know, we're starting this because, you know, I have no patience for, for any of this Southern gentile, like any of that mythology of the South. Like we talk about whether it's driving Miss Daisy or the help or gone with the wind. I have zero patience for it okay. because it's all propaganda. It's okay. just not only is it not true, but people are deliberately telling lies to make it seem not as bad as it was. OK. And for Oscar Michelle in 1919, you know, as you said, this was seen as a response to mm-hmm. birth of a nation, which if you kind of look at the history of this southern thing, a lot of it starts with birth of a nation. Yep. For him in 1919 to say, nah, that's not what's happening. This is what's actually going on. And, you know, you see the lynching and, you know, like, you know, I always hesitate to say the research that I did because, you know, I, I, like I've read some stuff. But apparently people have written a lot about the last scene of the film where there's a lynching of Sylvia's parents, parents, her step parents, I guess. Yes. Cause yeah, she was adopted. Right. It's, you know, a lynching, but it's intercut with a rich white man about to rape Sylvia. Yes. Like making it like he's about to rape her. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, I think Henry Louis Gates wrote about it and said that this was Michelle, Again, pointing out the hypocrisy of this whole culture, you know, because, again, if you start with birth of a nation and and sort of the going on the theory of birth of a nation and the rise of the Ku Klux Klan Mm -hmm. is that we had to protect white women from these savage black men who were just going to rape them. And, you know, you, you kind of, you know, you see remnants of this sort of thinking to this day where, yeah. you know, black men are just bestial and rapists and they need to be stopped. And Oscar Michelle was like, no, that's not like, it's actually the reverse. Exactly. The rapists are these men. Yes. The people actually committing the violence are these men. So that again, 1919, that's amazing to me. Then think about how further uh, further he goes, because, you know, he doesn't just stop there. He shows um, evidence of how deep this system is in that the guy is chasing her around, trying to get at her. And it's only after chasing her up on a top of a, uh, a table. Top. Yeah, oh, yeah. Pulling off her clothes. Rips her dress off. Ripping her dress off, putting her in a chokehold, strangling her, and and trying to basically beat her into submission until the point where it does look like she's starting to just swoon because she's just so tired from fighting them off. And it's only then that he realizes that she has some scar that right. strikes a memory in his head that, oh, my God, 
You're my daughter. You're my daughter. Because apparently, and, and I thought this was interesting, that the, the, the text says that he was married to her mother. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a little, uh, I think that may be a little massaging. Well, you know, it's, well, you know, I, 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 like I see what Oscar Michelle was doing in 1919. Yeah. Like we couldn't have Sylvia be quote unquote illegitimate. Yeah. So we yeah. had to make sure wanted to that she her. was the product of mm-hmm. a, of a good union, you know, but yeah. Yeah. It was a union of a white guy. Right. And a black woman. Right. And so Sylvia is like 20. Right. Well, like Sylvia is a, well, no, at that time. Because remember that's in flashback, so it it's reasonable to think that Sylvia is maybe in her late teens. Then. Late teens. So you know he was married to this black woman in the late nineteenth century. Houseway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's a. It's a very it's it's very pow- powerful film when you look at it through that those lenses man like just the the scene when oh my god like think of how it's kind of very pervasive in that especially especially the whole flashback with sylvia right because the flashback with sylvia shows her as an educated woman so much so that she becomes like the accountant for her step parents right because the 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 dude who owns the land has been cheating him yeah because again you you know sharecropping this is what happened yeah so i'm going to give you the tools i've gone over the books i'm giving you the tools to go there and you know like you know just pay what you owe right and then keep it moving and that's in fact what he does right um but what from what i understand it's his this is where i i again it's just a little bit too much in here because he goes to pay the landowner. Yes. The landowner, because the landowner has been tipped by, you know, flunky Ephraim that to what Sylvia has done. Right. It's like, oh, you think you're going to come over and get over on me trying to like pull, you know, flip it, flip the script. Right, right. Him. But meanwhile, outside his window, there's one of these these yokel locals. Yes. Who's about to take a shot into the into the room. Yes, because he's. He's been cheated as well. Oh, see, I missed right. That. This dude, the dude who owns the land, cheats, he cheats everybody. Everybody, right, right. right. It's it's pearly victorious again. Yeah. Okay. So he cheats everybody, but okay. you know he cheats the poor white people. He cheats the poor black people. But of course, you know when the poor white guy shoots him, yeah. now we're gonna turn it into a race thing. Yes, because they they blame. You know uh, Landry, who is yes. Sylvia's uh, stepfather, uh, and La- and Landry seeing it's you know he sees that the, the white guy shot him. He doesn't know who shot him. He right, just he just knows he ended up shot. Somebody shot him. He's like, yo, I got to get out of here again. After they're having an altercation because Landry has actually paid his debt. Yes, which means that this dude has nothing over him. Which again, that's the sharecropping thing. Yeah. At the end of the season, I make ten dollars, but I owe you twelve dollars. Exactly. And then, well, we'll carry that two over the next year, and then you owe me twelve dollars plus the two and interest. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess you got to stay another year, and then you multiply that by three generations of people. Exactly. So, you know, again, 
we don't talk about that when when and we about we I mean Americans you, you know we don't talk about that when we talk about these old plantations and you know you kind of have southern living and these great houses in the south and all of this is right there sort of built in and I think a lot of what we you know it's funny I went to um the African American Museum in DC and and there's a whole display about Thomas Jefferson Okay. And there are bricks that represent all of the enslaved peoples he owned. And, you know, this is very much, I think, a modern thing. We're like, you know, we talk about Thomas Jefferson. We talk about Sally Hemings and we talk right. about, you know, him as a slaveholder. And we talk about the founding fathers as slaveholders here in, in uh, Philadelphia. There was a whole thing with George Washington mm-hmm. downtown. But this is a, a fairly new conversation. Yeah. When we talk about the founding fathers as slave back, owners, as slave owners. And for Oscar Michelle to talk about this in 1919 is amazing. Yeah. And what's even more amazing is that this film, as um, incendiary as it is, was a success. You know, it, there were edited versions of it yeah. that had to play yeah. over, uh, in certain parts of the country because you certainly, down south, you weren't seeing no right. You know, right. You know, white guy deliver no mail or anything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but. It was. It still found an audience yeah. out there. I mean, you who know, appreciated um, the the message. Black people like to see black people do things other than what we got to do in white films. Yeah, yeah. There, the actual, the uh, critical reception to this film um, in nineteen nineteen. Uh, was in the Chicago Defender said that this is the picture that required two solid months to get by the censor boards. Those yeah. who respond with uh, the spectacle of last July in Ch- Chicago, talking about the riots, the red hot summers. Red That's hot right, summers red hot summers. Um, declared, Which I'm glad you brought that up. Go ahead. Declared the showing preeminently dangerous, while those who reasoned with the knowledge of existing conditions, the injustice of the times, and the lynchings and handicaps of ignorance determined that the time is ripe to bring the lesson to the front. Yeah. The, um, the other thing that I thought, you know, at this moment in particular was radical. So at the end, you know, Sylvia, Sylvia's soon to be um, husband, Dr. Vivian, finds out about her past and everything that we just said. And he says to Sylvia, basically, I know these bad things have happened. But then he gives this rousing sort of pro-American speech yeah. where he says, you know, still be proud to be an American. This. Here's the thing within the context so you know the red hot summers depending on depending on you know who you 1917 1918 1919 where you had these riots riots in chicago and in other cities i mean chicago but a, a bunch of cities a lot of those riots started because white men saw black men who were veterans from world war one wearing their uniforms so there's this whole politicized aspect to who does and does not get to be an American. Right. So that, you know, how dare this black man have on an army uniform and then the riots would spark. So along with everything else, Oscar Michelle kind of having this full throated defense of black people claiming America because of what we have done Mm-hmm. is also radical yeah like there's so much in this movie and, and you know 
I know we're running out of time, but I just wanted to say a little bit about just the technical part of this. I mean, you know, it's a DIY thing. Like you can oh, tell yeah. shoestring yeah. budget, you know, the spirit is certainly there more than the prowess. I love his use of flashback. Yeah. I love the way he kind of, I don't want to say recycles, but reutilizes footage to show what characters are thinking about. Yes. Which, you know, on the one hand, obviously this was to help save money. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, it actually served a purpose Mm -hmm. because it's a silent film. Yeah. So people can't tell you what they're thinking. They can't tell. And, you know, you can only use those those placards with the words on it so much. So. I love that. And then, you know, again, like like we just talked about that that final sequence where it cut back and forth between the lynching and the attempted rape, mm-hmm. I thought was well done. Oh, yeah. It so, was, you know, it was. And I it, wanted to give him I wanted to give him dap for those those aspects technically of the. Film. And he definitely deserves it because it, for its time, that is actually forward thinking storytelling wise. Yes, exactly. Exactly. You know? So he definitely uh, deserves much to praise uh, for that. Uh, in 1993, the Library of Congress Motion Picture Conservation Center restored this film as closely as possible to its uh, original um, level. Uh, this film was presumed lost for decades until a single print was found in Spain in the 1970s. Mm. Um, so it is only through uh, yeoman work that, you know, this film, which is available for free on yeah, YouTube. Absolutely. It is, is out there for our appreciation. And uh, I, I, I challenge you all to go and check out this film. I mean, it's an hour and a half. It's not even a long. I don't even know if it's quite it's an hour it's and like a half. It's like an hour and twenty minutes. Yeah, me. yeah, yeah. You know. Now I'll be honest. It was, it, you know, it was uh, not hard, but it was a little, you know, a bit of a challenge to watch a film that you have to watch. Right. Like, right. Like you right. Can't like just. You don't have, like you say, you don't have dialogue. Right. And you can't always go by the music that they've overlaid. I, the version I saw didn't even have the music. Oh, oh I didn't. So there was a version with because it's like if you look it up, it's like five of them. Yes, five that, of that them pop up. Yeah, the version I saw uh, had has the music. Oh, mine didn't even have music. Okay, oh, so I just well, kind of watched wow. and wow, you know you the really pantomime and 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 you know the placard and then like I said, you know, in retrospect, I'm kind of glad I didn't have a music because I did have to read the the sort of physicality. True. And, you know everything True. I just said, but. True and and buy into it. This uh, uh where was it? Oh, I knew there was something I wanted to find out. Oh yes, here it was. Um, in 1992, within our gates was selected by the Library of Congress for preser- uh, preservation in the United States National Film Registry as being culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. And I believe that this is a movie that should be, you know. To a degree, it's a shame that it is out there for free on YouTube because I think this, because of that, that will keep this film from being a um, a, a, a fixture in people's video collection. True, you know. True, and like we talked about, films that deserving of Criterion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, absolutely. Uh, preservation and recommendation. Um, and honoring this is a film that screams for. I, it. I would love to see. Like I would actually love to see like a round table 
Oh yeah, with like man. you know Ryan Coogler and Spike Lee and you know Cassie Lemons and Julie Dash and you know everybody that we talk about all the time. Like sit around a table mm-hmm. and talk about this. Yeah, as as like a film, like like you know the aesthetics of it and the editing and you know again, I mean. It it really is inspiring. Like it really is inspiring that this, like you said, and and it was financially successful. Mm-hmm. You know, he. I mean, he went from city to city. Yeah, with these films. Yeah, and and this is what the man did, and and from this, this was just step two in building the building the 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 uh, the uh, of the building block uh, and building the legacy of Oscar Michelle. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So. Uh, Salute, salute indeed, and and you should definitely. I'm not even going to say so. So, Lynn, do you think people should watch this? You, you absolutely should. I mean, I think you should. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, hour and twenty minutes, and again, it's sort of it's sort of the notion of it holds up a mirror to other filmmakers mm-hmm. that maybe are a bit more milk toast about some of these things. When you see what Oscar Michelle was doing in 1919. Yeah, about this, and you know he comes. I mean, he comes kind of hard. Yep, about stuff. You know, and we we all kind of tiptoe around things. So, shout out to him. All right, so there you go. Within our gates, ladies and gentlemen, look for it on YouTube uh, for your viewing pleasure. Uh, next week, hey, we were supposed to do it this week, but we're going to do it next week. Next week, we will be sitting down with Summer Willow Fitch. And reviewing Mo Better Blues. Mo Better Blues. As well as having some Mo Better Cocktails. Mo Better Cocktails. And having a Mo Better Time. And having a Mo Better Time. Than is legally um than is legally acceptable on the Philadelphia streets. <laughs> but we're gonna do it with Summer Willow Fitch. Yes. Um I, we hope you enjoyed uh the Michelle Mission. You can check out each and every one of our past episodes, they are available for your streaming and downloading pleasure at MichelleMission.com, as well as please become a subscriber on iTunes and SoundCloud. You can also find us as part of the Black Tribbles Podcast Network, as well as on your Philadelphia radio dial Wednesdays at 8 p.m. on WW. I just drew a blank on the call. <laughs> Don't look at me. You do this part. I'm, wait, I'm waiting for my part. I'm sitting here waiting for my part. Like, I'm waiting to say, we'll see you when it's time to meet again. Like, I'm waiting for my part. I don't know what you're looking over here at me for. I drew a complete blank. Well, you can check us out on, on the radio dial. On WPPMLP 106.5 Philadelphia, Wednesdays at 8 o'clock, the Michelle Mission. Okay. <laughs> I'm Len. He's Vince. You ready? It got cut out. <laughs> but it, 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 something you, stupid happened. You ready? Because um, I'm ready for my part. In parting, we say. Here I go. We'll see you when it's time to meet again. Oh, I hate you. No, no, no. <laughs> no, oh, that's right. Because, yeah, that's what we were doing. That's right. Because I forgot the other sound. All right, bye.
Now it's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again.